Welcome to the Break Your Bullshit Box podcast, where excuses aren't tolerated and results are earned through authenticity, vulnerability, and a commitment to excellence. My name is Amber Furman, success architect, attorney, and NLP trainer. If you're ready to bitch slap the bully in your brain, overcome the bullshit that holds you back, and design the life and success you've always wanted, then it's time for you to break your bullshit box and step into designing life and success on your terms. Welcome back to another episode of the Break Your Bullshit Box podcast. Today on the show, I have Robert Brill, who has worked in advertising for 20 years and is the CEO of Brill Media, a digital advertising agency for scalable business growth. The company has been honored 10 times across Inc. 5000 and Financial Times 500. We dig into so many things related to marketing and advertising and what the difference is and what to look for if you think it's time for you to hire an advertising company or a marketing agency. And we talked about some of the red flags for what you should watch out for if you're currently working with somebody and the long-term game that exists in marketing and advertising. It was really an insightful conversation and I'm so excited to share it with you. Before we do that, I want to remind you that the Break Your Bullshit Box Academy is live. Head over to academy.successdevelopmentsolutions.com and go ahead and check out the information for the Academy there. If you are ready to understand your success mindset, understand the excuses that are in your head and learn how to communicate with yourself differently, be able to increase the level of success that you have in all areas of your life, not just financial or career or relationships in all areas of your life. If you're looking for information on how to set goals and how to achieve them and how to continually create that success month after month and year after year, then the Academy is for you. Head over again to academy.successdevelopmentsolutions.com and check out all the information there if you want to book a call with me to discuss that option is there as well. I look forward to chatting with you soon so that you can have the best year ever in 2024 and beyond. And without further ado, let's jump into this conversation with Robert. Robert, thank you so much for coming on the show with me today. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Amber. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here and I all, I'm so excited to have you here. First of all, that's what I meant to say. Um, and second of all, I'm excited to be a part of this conversation because we were talking about this a little bit before we hit record that um, this industry, and for those who um, I don't know, the marketing industry is full of so much um, that are these black holes to avoid. And I'm really looking forward to um, having you share some of those because new business owners seem to find themselves in there all the time and it's a disaster. So yeah. before we get there, let's talk a little bit about how you got here to where you were. I think that it's always fascinating for me to see where people thought they were going to end up versus where they ended up. So if we're talking to 16 year old Robert, what did you think you were going to be doing with your life? <laughs> 16 year old Robert. Um, that, that was, that was a very, uh, very early stage, Robert, not even alpha, not even alpha, <laughs> uh, still in development, still loading. Um, I, 16 year old me, I'm trying to think of the, the year it was, cause I think of my life in, in terms of years, not the age I was. So 16 year old, yeah, 16 year old me, I think I would have been, uh, it would have been like 1996, 97, 
97. 97, I got my first girlfriend. I was super duper thrilled. I mean, like, that. where do I want to be? I want to be with my girlfriend. With my girlfriend, That's 100% yes. like the answer to that question. Um, earlier, prior to that, I discovered computers. Um, so this was around 95. I, we got the first computer in our household. And I was enamored with the level of opportunity that was created by connecting with people all across the world. And so I spent a lot of time there. I was working also at Universal Studios at the Jurassic Park restaurant. Um, I was a big fan of Jurassic Park at the time. And, you know, I think I think I had big aspirations. I, you know, I think I, I embodied and um, lived that hustle lifestyle. Like, what can I do? How can I earn money? How can I be better? And all of that resulted in me trying a lot of different jobs. With the jobs that you've tried, when you look back at the experiences that brought you to where you are now and with the results that you're able to get for your clients, are there any like common lessons that you feel like you've learned from those experiences that you a bring lot. into the marketing world? A lot. I mean, and this has been a pattern throughout my life. I've definitely been the type of person who just tries to figure it out and to figure it out but but the prerequisite for me to get to that point is I have to be interested in what I'm doing. So mm -hmm. I was, at the time, I felt sorry for myself. But looking back on it, I was, it was very fortuitous. Um, late high school and then all throughout college, I worked because I had to. And so I took, you know, I did college orientation telling high school kids about or it was college um, education, telling high school kids about the different type of schools, Cal State, UC private schools and then uh, community colleges what th there's a purpose for all those in in the whole socioeconomic spectrum each one of them serves a role that a lot of people i don't think realize uh, so i did that i worked at cold stone creamery uh singing and dancing and making ice cream and getting tips it was great <laughs> Universal studios and then i had various jobs that i didn't like and what i learned through through that process is i can cross off the list of jobs that i don't like until I found advertising and I and I took an internship. It paid me like, I don't know, 10 bucks an hour or something like that. And I learned what advertising is and I learned that I really like that type of work. But then like I had another three more years of school to go and I got out of school knowing exactly the job title that I wanted, which was um, media planner or in that case, assistant digital media planner because this was my first um, agency job was in 04. And the learnings from that is, number one, I was very fortuitous to be able to cross off the list all the jobs I didn't like, which I think a lot of people do in their early 20s. I did while I was still in school, which which propelled my career forward a lot. And then secondly, I learned who I am and what I and who I am is the person that I will dive deep into it. High school, first semester of high school, straight A's and then like an A minus in the second semester. Same thing with college, straight A's and then an A minus. And then like by the time I was a senior, I was like, holy cow, please let me pass this last class and let me like graduate from school. Like I still have nightmares about that. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm li I literally like at least once a month have a nightmare about like how I'm like back in school. I'm like, man, this is really hard. And so, <laughs> I, so I learned I learned all these things about myself. And that's what I've taken to my career. There have moments been moments in my career where. I'll, I know like this is going to be the season. I think of my life in seasons and the seasons can be days, weeks, months, years, whatever the case is. And I know that if there's a season where I need to really focus because 
I need to, I'll then build the foundation for something greater down the line. Were your parents um, college educated and professional, like in professional service-based industries or what was their background? Uh, father, uh, civil engineer. So both my parents emigrated from uh, the country of Romania. They, okay. they, they met here, but they both emigrated from there. And, uh, and I was born in Pasadena. And, but I, you know, it's, there's a lot of that, like, you know, my mom worked for like 30 years at a dental laboratory, one of the top dental laboratories in the country. Like the, they're the company that makes like crowns and bridges uh, for the dentist. And so, yeah, there are professionals. Um, but I think it's that old school Eastern European grit of like, I don't, you know, my dad, I think he really enjoyed his work, but my mother, I think she fell into it and was good at it. But I think it was like, good or uh, do I like it or do I not like it? But I'm going to do well at it. Like that was yeah. a mindset. Whereas me, I just progressed that a little bit. I'm going to be good at it, but I really have to enjoy what I'm doing. Like I could never be an account an accountant because that's oh, not me neither. Yeah. Me neither. Um, I'm convinced that I mean, thank God the world needs them. But anybody that works for works with numbers voluntarily and chooses to be in that world has something going on. So, yeah. um, was. So the reason that I ask that is because I find it I find it interesting, especially when we're talking about um, parents that are or for people that are first generation Americans, um, because we bring in that cultural aspect. And when I talk to people that are from, you know, your island and Asian cultures, it's it doesn't matter whether you like it or not. You'll be a doctor or an attorney. Everything else is like non-existent. And then, you know, we talk about that Eastern European background, which is like that grit and figure it out and the, yeah. the hardiness of it. Right. So when you said, you know, I'm going to like it, it, it needs to be something that I enjoy. Yeah. Where do you think that that came from? Because our generation, that wasn't a high priority. It was you're going to go to college, you're going to get a job, you're going to do that for 20, 30, 40 years, and then you're going right. to retire. What do you think made you different? There's a little bit of like contrarian. I'm a contrarian in, in a lot of ways. Not I, like I, I can, I, there are people who are dramatically contrarian. I'm not that mm -hmm. person. And I've kind of calmed down as I met my wife and she like gave me a little bit of guidance on not being crazy all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but <clears throat> there's a part of me that, you know, I saw. So uh, I'll, I'll give you the example. The example is I, I fell into this really um, fortuitous internship at universal music while well, i was still in college but i consider it the start of my career because it's it's squarely in line with marketing and advertising we were doing like uh it was called guerrilla marketing but it was really like posting and it was social media before it was called social media and i was so enamored by the fact that i was there with like kids from usc from ucla and from cal state northridge uh and other schools like occidental college like man i'm in i'm in I'm breathing the air of these really of these people who have a lot more money than me or have a lot more opportunity to experience these different schools and in this pre, these pre, being these prestigious um, universities. I thought, man, that's opportunity. And I think a lot of a lot of my life has been focused on aspiration. I aspire, mm -hmm. like I knew, like you know, unlike many people, there 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 is no inheritance. There is no fallback. There is no, hey, we'll pay for your apartment for a year if you want to just 
go off and be an artist or something like that. That not that 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 wasn't an opera and that wasn't an opportunity for me. It was like you got to figure this out. So when I graduated college, I was like, gosh, I hope I'm at least a middle manager, uh, able to support my family. Like I because th- I can't fail. There's no failure. It doesn't exist. Yeah. So. So the opportunity for me was I wanted to I I saw what other people who had more than I did, I saw I saw the, uh, the opportunities and I allowed myself to be part of that vision for the future, and I think that's something that's really important for all of us, which is I want to be the dumbest person in the room, I want to be the least yeah. experienced person in the room, I want people who have done a ton more than me because I want to have simply. I want to learn what imagination looks like when those people are in my sphere of understanding. And that was always there for me. Yeah, that's interesting because I feel like that's a skill that people get to tap into because none of us want to ever like sound or look dumb. Yet it's gotten to the point now where I'm like, that's what I want. Like I want to walk into a room and I want people to be like, what the hell is Amber doing here? Because they're working at this. But, but I'm, I facetiously say that what happens when you reach that level of success is nobody's saying that, right? Because they're so worried at, or not worried. They're so focused on their own success that they want to bring you along with that. There's none of that. Um, you reach that level where there's no competition, only collaboration. Right. And they want to teach and help and and learn. And when you get there, it's this incredible place to be. Hundred um, percent. So it's really cool that that's always existed for you because it's definitely been a challenge for me right. um, to be willing to do that. I was always academically gifted. Um, I always did well in school when I applied myself, except for the times that I was um, tra- trauma distracting. We'll call it that. <laughs> but when I when I was present and focused, I was always academically gifted. So it was easy for me to be at the top of the um, intelligence spectrum. However, when I started my business, I realized how little how little knowledge that's taught in a school setting really matters. And 100%. that street smarts and that grittiness and all that stuff I had like none of. Yeah, it's a completely different way of being being an entrepreneur, yeah. even being being an employee at big corporations is a completely different type of work. You know, at, at one point um, I was I working for this company. It was a value added reseller of um, manufacturing software, which I was a kid. I had no idea what was going on. I, I, who, I Who knows why they kept me for like the year and a half that they kept me. But eventually they let me go. I think the company was struggling. But at one point I was like, they asked me like, hey, I need you to write this thing down and and give me the information. I was like, okay, sure. And I like started citing all the sources and the owner of the business was like, stop citing the sources. Who the hell cares? Just, just give me the information. This is not college. Like I just need the info. No one, you're not being graded here. No one's going to see this. this yeah, don't show your work. work. Don't show your work. Just give yeah. me the answer. It's like, oh, that's so strange. Yeah. It's so funny. Cause when I was in law school, I, um, when I was in law school, I remember thinking I need to write for law review. And I had a very similar conversation with my advisor because she was a public defender. And she was like, I thought you said you wanted to work in public defense. And I said, I do. And she's like, no public defender office is going to give a shit whether you wrote for law review. They're going to want to know whether you can stand in front of a judge and make an intelligent and well put together argument to get your client out of jail. Like that's all they're going to care about. And I thought, but 
it, it, you can't possibly, it can't be that easy. And then I remember I graduated law school towards the top of my class. And I remember walking into my interview with the public defender's office and they didn't ask for my transcript. And I was heartbroken. Like they didn't even care. All they wanted was to know that I was licensed and barred and could walk into a courtroom. And I was like, but I worked so hard. Right. Um, so before we dig into the marketing and advertising side of things, which I'm super excited to get into, that's kind of the place that I want to start. Marketing, advertising, these two things get so um, interchangeably thrown around. So I'm yeah. curious to know for you, what is the difference? And as we continue this conversation, when we talk about marketing or we talk about advertising, right. what are we talking about when we say those two terms? Yeah. So the first thing to know is that marketing is the higher level idea. And marketing consists of a lot of things. And one of the things that rolls up under marketing is advertising. Other things that roll up under marketing is search engine optimization, PR and public relations, copywriting on the various places where you write stuff. There's a whole other whole bunch of different things. Your website is kind of like part, part of marketing. But as a sub-discipline of marketing, you have advertising. And the key thing about advertising, the definition of advertising is paying a publication or a website or a television station to air your message. So the first thing I'll say is when you hear someone saying paid ads, they don't they didn't come up academically to understand what advertising is because that's redundant. <laughs> the definition of advertising is paying for adver for messaging space. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. That's that's the key. Yeah, paid ads. Okay. So um with advertising, the core idea is you want to send out a message with the goal of driving some sort of action for your business. And you're making an investment, just like you invest in your, you put money into your 401k or you buy stocks, or you buy crypto or you buy a home. It's an investment. You expect to put in some number today and get more than that back in the future. So you got to think of it as an investment. So what we're what we're doing, we're investment, we're investors, we're investment strategists. As with every investment, we want to understand where what you want to accomplish, when you want to accomplish it, and then we work backwards to say, based on what you want to accomplish for your business, um, we determine the actions to take to ensure that you achieve those goals. And that's what a strategy is. The strategy helps you helps you. It protects you from making bad decisions with your advertising dollars. And then all of that results in a plan. Okay, we're going to create TikTok videos. We're going to syndicate those videos on LinkedIn or wherever you might be. Um, we're going to buy advertising space on Facebook and Instagram, so Meta. Buy advertising space on Google Ads. And by the way, there's a reason and rationale for all of those elements to be on the plan. This is not just, hey, we need to be on Facebook and Instagram or we need to be on Google. It's why do we need to be on Google? Why do we need to be on Meta? Anyone you work with has to be able to give you an explanation of why those channels are important. And if you come to them and you say, well, why aren't we talking about Pinterest? They should be telling you why Pinterest is not a good solution for you. And there's a good answer to all of it. But that's how you determine experts from non-experts. And the, the characteristics of a non-expert, fundamentally, they don't have experience. I've been in the business for 20 years. 
the reality is that anyone with a computer, an internet connection, and a Facebook account or a Google account can sell you advertising on those channels. And it, look, it's possible that they're going to be a savant, but it's much more likely that they're going to learn on your dime. And so people who are offering, who don't have experience, they often have certificates. They often have done courses. And when I talk about certificates and courses, I don't mean uh, going to college for two years, that type of certificate, right? That's a, that's a two-year degree. I'm talking about they paid like $100 or $1,000 and they took a course and they have their certificates in in some the blueprint course on Facebook or whatever it is. Right. Well, and I think like when we're talking about the certification side of things, this is just like any profession, right? Like I mentioned that I went to law school. So as an attorney, I've met licensed attorneys that I wouldn't let represent me. And I've met jailhouse lawyers that can make right. a better argument than somebody that I'm that is barred, right? right. So um, I think, you know, obviously the idea should be that if you go to school for this thing that you've learned these this knowledge that makes you an expert then there's this practicality part of it that sometimes they just don't have so when new business owners or somebody that's new to marketing um, that has never really worked with anybody before is trying to distinguish the expert from the amateur what yeah. should they be looking for other than like the education side of it because i think that can be misleading experience i mean education is is I, mean, I went to school for business administration. It's the the generalist bachelor's degree. I got my MBA. Uh, sorry, I didn't get my MBA. I, in air quotes, got my MBA by working at one of the largest ad agencies in the world, Universal McCann. And I, I, I remained valuable to my my clients uh, and my employers over the years because I kept up on the tactics and strategies that work in the moment. So, what are you looking for? You're looking for experience. Five years is better than one year. 10 years is better than five. 20 is better than 10. I'm at 20. Um, the second thing is you want to talk about strategy. You want people, you as the business owner, you want to understand and be given explanations if you ask about why certain channels are on the campaign and why they aren't. The mm. third thing is there you really aren't doing much black box, opaque business activities. If you know, if a, if a company wants to say, give me, you know, $10,000 and we'll get you leads and you do have no visibility to things that are going on be, in, in between, that's a, that's a red flag for me. The other thing is um, you want a level of communication, context, and consistency. Mm. When I say that, I mean with any relationship, personal, professional, whatever the case is, people need to be able to access you and, and talk, communication. It needs to be consistent over time. You don't want people who are just going to drop off the face of the earth for two months and then they're back. And then um, communication, context, and con uh, the context is very important. Even if, like, there's all, you know, we provide dashboards for our clients to understand what's going on with the campaign, but it's just data. What you mm -hmm. actually need is an interpretation of that data to make it valuable for the end consumer. So context is an exceptionally valuable component of your campaigns. And if you're not sure, just ask your people why. Why are these things happening? And you can judge whether or not they're uh, they're tap dancing for dollars, or they really have a strong understanding of of your business. Um, so those are the things we look for. It's it's historical context and experience. 
So knowing that marketing is um, a long-term game, anybody that says, you know, hire me and we'll have you with, you know, like those, those like, what did I see the other day? It was so dumb. $4.99 for a hundred thousand TikTok followers. And I was like, what the hell are you guys doing? Right? Like what yeah. you're going to end up getting with that is you're going to end up getting a bunch of people that aren't in your target audience that are um, probably not even like logging into their TikTok on a regular basis. That are these like fake dummy accounts that somebody's created in order to provide this. Um, so my question specifically is, because marketing is a long-term game, how do people know when it's time to cut bait with something that's not working? And I'm not talking about the strategy particularly, I'm talking about the agency. Like I know so many people who have invested hundreds of thousands of dollars in agencies that don't work and they just get told, well, be patient, it's a long-term <laughs> game. How do you know when it's time to say like, what the fuck, what's long-term? Yeah, so a couple things. Um, likes, comments, and shares don't pay the bills. Leads and in, in leads and sales do. So number one, from the start of the conversation, we really need to be talking about leads and sales. What is the most direct path to keep your accounting team busy? That's that's the business, right? It should be a red flag at the beginning of the conversation. We talk about engagement, likes, comments, and shares. I will say PR people generally talk about that. Um, because that's they can't really get far down into the funnel in terms of right. So there's a it's a little bit challenging, which is a challenge for the PR business as a whole, not for any one pr uh, participant or provider. But for advertising in particular, um, the first the the first hour of the conversation should be about leads and sales and getting getting money in the door. The second thing is you will be given timing, like here's how long things will take, and here's what you should see at certain time frames. Now, the reality is, is that the, the next step should be learnings and insights. You know, I, I would argue that, you know, what people put, what companies pay us for is to drive leads and sales for them. But the reason they stay with us long term is because we do that and we educate them about what can and should be happening within their business. So it goes far beyond advertising. It looks a lot more like business consulting. The core idea being that Advertising is a real-time focus group. It tells you, if you interpret the data, it tells you what your customers want, who your customers are, the products and services that really resonate, the offers and discounts or um, deals that maybe resonate. And you, over time, will get a sense of where you should focus your business in one lane or the other. So all of that information and insight gets bubbled up through the advertising business. And so your advertising agency is much more than leads and sales. It's actually insight into the inner workings of your business that may not be available to you as a, as a business owner. You just may not be looking at it. You don't know how to interpret the data. You don't even know to ask for it, that type of thing. So my argument here is that as long as you're getting the value from the advertising agency, you keep working with them. What shouldn't be happening, however, is too much. It's it's almost. I mean, I I would say that the biggest challenge we have are when clients are too are too trigger happy. Mm. When when clients are too trigger happy, what ends up happening is they will humans individuals have a pro have a 
have a tendency to exhibit the same exact cycles in their life. Mm-hmm. From when you're a five-year-old to you're a 16-year-old to 30s, 40s, etc. Except the game is maybe bigger or smaller. So in some cases, people people will go through their life burning things down. And when you yeah. go through, right, when you go through your life burning things down, they'll be small. They'll be maybe you'll you'll just not worry about a class when you're in college. And you say, screw it, I, I already messed it up. I'm not even going to pay attention. Then it becomes bigger and it becomes relationships and then it becomes jobs and then it becomes lifestyle and everything just burns down. And people cycle through this over the course of their life, the same cycles over and over again. They do that also with their business and how they work with partners. And so what ends up happening is trigger happy clients will start working with an agency, whether it's ours or another agency, because we're a white label for some agencies as well. So we see how advertisers work with other agencies. <laughs> and what ends up happening is like they have like they have this in the, their head. It's a month and a half. It's going to work in a month and a half. If it doesn't work in a month and a half, we're going to move on to the next one. And over the course of two, three, five years, you just are in this month and a half cycle, starting out with a bunch of different agencies in a month and a half increments. And the result of that is you never get anywhere with any agency. Mm-hmm. Because you're always at the starting point. You're always at the superficial starting point. Advertising is a long-term partnership to drive business forward. And to specifically answer your question, you should be getting more money in the door. You should be learning about your business. And your business should ultimately be growing as as a direct result of your marketing agency partnership. I love that answer. Um, Here's why um, I see so many people. I've worked with a lot of agencies, and some of them have been really good agencies that I found at the wrong time, Oof. and some of them have been very bad agencies that I found at the wrong time. So, um, and and what has happened, and I can think back to things I was told by these agencies. Um, one of them was. Um, it's okay if you don't know how to read the data. I do. And um, you don't need to know. It's okay. And and I didn't know enough to know that that is only said by somebody who either doesn't know the answer to tell you or is not getting the results that they say they're getting and doesn't want to tell you that. Um, that if you up. wanted to control your marketing, you should have just done it yourself. Let me do my job. That's another one I've been told. Um, and so I, I say this to say, like, are there any, like, you've said a lot of things people should be looking for, but like, let's talk, like if we're dating our marketing agency, what's the red flags that we should immediately, immediately say, like, this is not when you feel uncomfortable when you're, when you feel like you're being gaslit. That's huge. I mean, like, look, you're entitled to know everything that's going on with your agency and your business and your investment. You're entitled to it. And the person that says um, you should have done it in-house, you know, the the funny thing is that that's not really a comment, to, in my perspective, that's not a comment on whether they're good or bad. It's a question of someone who is um, um, not confident in the work that they're doing, which probably indicates they're not good at it, but they may also just be not confident. So a person who's not confident gets annoyed when people question them. I remember working with the one of the worst agencies um, that I never should have been involved in. And I remember after about 
like nine months of not getting results and me finally like getting up the nerve to say, this isn't me not understanding. Um, I told them, I said, listen, I'm not getting the return on the investment. And they had the balls to look at me and say, oh, that's because you're not actually paying for the package we need to be on for you to get results. So if you give us this amount of money, then wow. we could actually get results for you. So the $4,000 a month isn't cutting it. Let's go up to $6,000 a month plus ad spend. And then we'll be able to get you the results that you say you're not getting. Yeah, they, they scoped the job wrong and they're, yeah. and, they're full of, and they're full of it. Yeah, and they're full of it, 100%. So um, I, I bring this up not to scare people away from marketing because I think yeah. that it's incredibly important. Um, and we live in a world where anybody can say that they do anything. And marketing is a relatively unregulated industry where anybody can call themselves a marketer and really have no knowledge or skills in the process. So um, I just want to make sure people look out for the right things. Um, yeah. And I know you do too. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the thing we sell against. The biggest thing we sell against is people who don't... We, we, we talk a lot to people who have been burned by marketers. Um, and it, it literally all starts with the first conversation and expectations that are set. Like I'm, you yeah, know, absolutely. I see a lot of ads for like, we guarantee, you know, X number of leads or X number of results. And that's its own game, by the way, because most of the people that talk to them don't qualify for the guarantee. Yeah. It's, it's such a, it's. That's that's why that's why marketers have such a bad rep is because there's there's games and BS that that's played and and a lot of what we do is we're never going to make guarantees we just don't because I can't control whether people want to work with you or not that's yeah, that's reality because there's a part of it that goes to product market fit Mm -hmm. Well, and the sales team, right? Is the sales do team doing their job once they get on the phone? So there's, I mean, there's a ton of things that go into it that can't be necessarily blamed on, on the marketer and the marketing and the advertising. Um, all right. So true or false, and then an explanation. I, it's not worth hiring a marketer until I have X amount of dollars coming in every month. Um, so like, what's the threshold? that people should be saying, okay, it's time for me to bring on a marketing team. It's tough. I'll, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you a few different, different answers. If you're a venture capital team, if you're venture capital backed and you just have gobs of money that you need to spend to generate sales, you, you, you gotta spend the money on advertising. That's a big part of it. So that we're not talking about those people, right? We're talking about real businesses where you have yeah. to be profitable. Yeah. Right people that either sell like a small product or they're service based. Yeah, I mean, what I say is that you shouldn't. It's it's less about the money. It's more about the product market fit. Product market fit for me is, are you able to? Here's what it is: Are you able to sell things? Do people want what you have? Mm -hmm. And wanting what you have is, you know how to talk about it. You know how to price it, and. People, when you talk to them in some capacity, either one-to-one -one -one or on a webinar or at a conference or your friends and family, you're getting some traction, right? Mm -hmm. You've passed that phase and then you're posting on social media and you're getting traction. You've passed that phase and you can't post enough because there's just not enough hours in the day. You need to reach more people. That's when you start to want to want to be advertising. So to me, it's it's I could probably put I could probably discern a revenue amount for it, 
Mm-hmm. But the other part of it is the the challenge for people is that advert people think that advertising is a light light switch. You just turn on and the sales come in. Mm-hmm. But there's a way of being in the marketing and advertising space that is valuable, that that inspires and motivates people to buy from you. And there are tactics. And you may not have that off the top of your head. And your advertising agency needs to test with your product and service the things that work right now for your product and service. Like we know Facebook ads work. We know how the algorithm works. We know the elements of advertising, but it's unclear based on where you are as a business, what you need to say to grow your business. So as a result, we have a testing framework to kind of find those answers. So what I would say is you've maxed out of all the channels that you can run that allow you to sell one-to-one or on social media. You just can't do any more of that. That's a trigger to run advertising. Another trigger to run advertising is you're not going to be hurt when you spend a couple thousand dollars or a few thousand dollars and it doesn't turn out, turn into sales immediately. There's a desperation. I'm, I'm smiling because I live in Vegas. And so to me, it's like the, the gambling and the casino philosophy, right? Like don't gamble with something that you can't afford to lose. Exactly. Like I don't want your last $1,500. Yeah, it has to work or I'm out of business. Like, I don't want that. That's not, I don't want that. Yeah. You shouldn't be doing that. And I don't want to be part of that equation. So, like, well, I'm sure you don't want that stress either of saying, like, well, because first of all, like, you have no control over the actual revenue guidance that comes in from that. Um, so as far as people who are, are listening and they're saying, okay, I'm just starting my business. I need a website. I need to do all of this stuff, which is is valuable. Um, we talked about marketing being like the higher level and advertising being a, a subset of that. And your website's part of that and your social media is part of a subset. At what point in time does it become important to hire a marketing team to drive the the boat like and and let me explain like you can go build a website and then you can pay five thousand dollars for that website and then you go hire your marketing team and they're like your website sucks for what it is that we need to do for advertising so now we've got to rebuild your website or we've got to make these changes to it at what point are you putting like the chicken and the egg conversation yeah so the, the 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 value proposition here is What's the value of your time? What's the value of your hour? I know as an entrepreneur, like I like I, I think about this both from like a business perspective, like what other businesses experience, like what's just kind of like obvious to me as a business person, but also what I experience being an entrepreneur, starting up my agency and growing my agency. Okay. So I'm I'm thinking about this from both perspectives. And I can tell you there were there are moments in time where there are not enough hours in the day to do everything I'm doing, I need to do. And by the way, I'm I'm not good at like two thirds of the things I'm trying to do. Like, yeah. I, like ten years ago, when I'm trying to build my website, like I I was really bad at it. And I'm we don't offer website development services for for ourselves for I mean for mm-hmm. our clients we don't do that. But I've become a lot better at it. I and mean, my point is like when you're at that moment where you're making mistakes and you don't have enough hours in the day. And by the way, the thing that you're absolutely the best at, your zone of genius. Like you, for example, like you're a lawyer. Done, hands down. Everything else is is not worth your time. 
Yeah, 100%. not worth your time. Running Facebook ads is not worth your time. Dealing with your website is not worth your time. Like the most valuable thing you can do for this world and from a monetary perspective is going to be your legal work. Yeah. And, and too many business owners who are not, um, who are who don't have, um, as my grandma says, doesn't have a title, not yeah. a doctor, not a lawyer, but just like a, a regular business person, they don't under they don't get that. They think we all think we can do everything ourselves. And it's like, no, like you can fast forward through probably tens of thousands of hours of distress and lots of money of doing it yourself and doing it poorly if you just pay someone a little bit of a dough in the large scheme of things to like get you where you need to be. Yeah. And I think that it's important to note that it's probably going to be a lot less expensive than you think it's going to be because they can do it a hell of a lot faster than you can. So I, I love that analogy. Um, now let's switch gears just a little bit because I know that you guys work not only with individuals who are building their business, more so with agencies that are building their agency. So yeah. for the people who are listening who might already be in marketing that are intrigued by the conversation, what are they looking for as they grow their agency? Yeah, so... Um our business model started as a, and we continue to be a white label media buying firm, which means agencies around the country uh, pair up their services. They could be creative, social media, strategy, whatever. And we do the ad buying, which is placing ads on websites with the goal of generating results. And so um, we're continuing that. And what we've learned over the years is that there's a lot of startup agencies who need our knowledge and don't really have a mechanism to get that. So we've created a, a course and coaching service where for $199 a month, um, you'll get all the information you need about marketing and advertising to, to just be well-versed in it. None of, the, none of the academic things, everything that you need that's practical to actually grow the business and weekly calls with me such that um, you can ask questions. That's, that's probably the most valuable thing because you can learn all this stuff um, probably in some capacity elsewhere if you just want to dig far enough. But it's the learnings and under, understanding of practical things. And as a result, you can then sell um, media buying and advertising to your clients uh, and will be your white-labeled media buying partner. Um, and, that's on our and if they're looking for information on that, where's the best place for them to reach out to contact you? Yeah, it's a uh, brillmedia.co, B as in boy, R-I-L-L, media.co. And was, there's a link at the top um, about the course and coaching. Awesome. Um, so as we start to wrap this up, this is the Break Your Bullshit Box podcast where we talk about the excuses that have filled up our bullshit boxes that have held us back in the past. When you think back to your growth, what is the biggest excuse that you had to overcome in order to reach the level of success that you have now? Um, I remember early on, I was, I, I couldn't wait to hire people. Mm. And I was like, man, I can't wait till, you know, someone can do this better than I can. And I was pretty good at, you know, the things I was offering and whatnot, but I was like, man, I can't wait till I, I can hire people. And what I've learned is that in this world, in, in 2024, the, the world of profession and side hustles and entrepreneurship and employment we've got to be we've, we've got to be able to like stack our experience whatever work you do what are the three or four complementary pieces of knowledge that you can have that you can grow and be, become better at so your overall 
offering is smarter, better, more, more precise. And so I learned that instead of hiring out as quickly as I can, which we, we did ultimately, but not when I would have liked to, it was much later than that. If I ha- you, you can't go around it. You have to go through it. So mm-hmm. if there's something I'm struggling with, um, unless it's dramatic, unless it's like learning Python, which I don't, you know, it's completely out of my knowledge base whatsoever. It's a coding, you know, thing. But if it's complementary to what I know, I have to go through it and learn it and figure it out so that I can then be a better steward of the time and energy I'm putting into someone else so that they can grow. And that's my, that's the thing I've learned over the, one of the things I've learned over the years. Yeah, I love that so much. And and I talk to my clients in my coaching business about this all the time when they're like, I need help. And I said, cool. Like, what type of staffing help do you need? What do you want them to do? What responsibilities are they going to have? What do you want to get off your plate? I don't know. I just need to bring somebody in and then I can figure that out later. And I'm like, no, no, that's not the way that this hiring thing works. But for a lot of people, they think, let me get the body and then I'll figure out what those skills are. And then I'll give them what they can. And then I'll just hire somebody else to do the rest. Whereas like, if you decide what it is you need, what, as you said, the complementary skills that you want to have at your disposal, and then you look specifically for that person, you progress so much quicker because you lose that trial and error of, um, man, I just hired somebody I thought was cool. And now they don't know how to do shit. Yeah, and you're not disrupting other people's lives, and you're you're a better steward of the responsibility for the that you have for the business, that you have for your financial investment, and that you have for the other person on the other side of that equation. You don't want them to start a job and then have to leave it in like three months. Yeah, absolutely. So as we wrap up, I have two questions for you. First of all, if people want to follow up on this conversation and connect with you, what is the best platform for them to be able to continue to communicate with you? Um, email me, robert at brillmedia.co. We we put uh, uh, informational videos on TikTok and LinkedIn. So TikTok is brill underscore media. LinkedIn, search for my name and face, Robert Brill. Um, yeah, and visit our website if you want to talk to us and talk to me okay. specifically uh, on a call. Perfect. And then last thing, if you had one thing that you think is a massive misconception about the world of marketing and advertising that you wish you could help people understand. What is it? Yeah. The misconception is advertising or marketing in general is not a light switch. It just isn't. It's a thing that needs to be set up, curated, maintained, and built upon. Uh, You don't want to just turn it on and off at will. I love it. Robert, thank you so much for your time. I really enjoyed the conversation and I think it's been insightful for people who are trying to figure out what can be such a confusing maze of marketing, advertising, and people that um, are really good at marketing that they're good at marketing but aren't actually good at marketing. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Amber. Really appreciate the time. Enjoyed the conversation. Of course.